0: Hello, welcome to the Healthy Alternatives Podcast. I am Dr. Christine Sauer with DocChristine.com. Today's show is a recording of my radio show of the same name. Enjoy! Good afternoon, this is Dr. Christine Sauer, your host of the show Healthy Alternatives here on 97.5 CIOEFM with live stream on communityradio.ca every Thursday at 12 noon Atlantic Standard Time. Thanks for tuning in today. In this show, I will talk mostly with guests about all aspects of health, healthcare, and wellness, from conventional to alternative and everything in between. My mission for this radio show is to help change people's lives for the better by informing them about different options to get and stay healthy and well so they can choose for themselves which option might work in their case. And if you feel you are stuck in a dark place, I want to tell you don't give up. There is a light at the end of the tunnel for you too. Now, today I'm extremely pleased to be with my friend Andrea Lusing. She's a binge eating and overeating coach. Welcome, Andrea. Hi, thanks. Thanks for having me. Now, that's an interesting destination, a binge eating and overeating coach. How the heck did you get in it? And for the listeners that can't see you, she is slim as a stick. (laughs) You always said slim.
1: (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, Yeah, so how did I get into it? Have I always been this slim? That's a funny question. Um, (laughs) so I think right now, um, my life, my activity level, I have a son, um, I've been eating a vegan diet for, um, eight years naturally. So, so that just happens naturally. I don't think about my weight whatsoever, but, um, no, for sure. In the past, there was a big time in my life where I really struggled with food. And so for me, that kind of accounts for six years Uh, plus, um, of my life where I was really struggling. And yeah, at that point I weighed about 35 pounds more and, you know, I consistently was wanting to lose weight, but then struggling with overeating and binge eating and really trying to figure it out. And, you know, with, with the kind of vast array of disordered eating behaviors you can have in between there. So essentially that's kind of what, um, initiated my work in this field
0: so that's that's really fascinating because I'm sure many of the listeners struggle with their eating behavior mm-hmm. and I know I myself tend to want to overeat and uh, the worst thing to do really for me is to go in a grocery store hungry <laughs> <laughs> I always turn out with stuff that I didn't want to buy yeah totally And uh, so that's, that's a little tip for everybody, eat before you go get groceries have a list but that's just a little thing but many people have no idea what binge eating is what it is what is binge eating and how does it feel
1: yeah so binge eating specifically it's um it is a disordered type of eating so you can find it in you know the list of of kind of mental health disorders but in general binge eating is this feeling of compulsion to just want to eat. So kind of eating against your will. And that can include eating faster than normal, definitely eating larger quantities than most people would in in that same situation. For many people, that's eating alone because they feel ashamed of what they're eating or their amount they're eating. Um, And really just kind of answering to these really strong urges and cravings that don't feel like they have any control over those urges. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's really this feeling of being lack, um, you know, out of control, lacking control, and always having that question, like, why can't I control myself?
0: So it's kind of an addiction to food, really.
1: Well, because the lack of
0: control is part of every addiction. When you have a glass of wine, you can't stop. You have to drink the whole bottle. The same with food. For me, it was milk chocolate. It's still the same. When I have milk chocolate, I can't stop after one piece. Mm -hmm. I have to have the whole bar.
1: Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because for sure, I think it is important to recognize kind of two groups here. There's the group that is the, the people who are binge eating, and I can talk a little bit about why, but most people are entering that area because they've dieted or they've tried to restrict or control their food to a degree that their survival instinct's Kick in. And so it's actually their survival instincts, their lower brain that's really pushing them in a uh, like. Really making them hyper focused on food, and then needing to eat as much as they can in in that period of time.
0: So they eat maybe on a Saturday night, they eat the whole pizza, and then two packages of ice cream, and uh, finish up with a few buns and some salami until they can't eat anything <laughs> near bursting.
1: Yeah, that's pretty much it for some people. And of course, there's degrees to it. That would yeah, be yeah. The, classic the classic kind of binge image of of a, a binge, but people have their own personal interpretation of what binge eating feels like for them. Um, but I want to just speak to what you said about the chocolate, because then there's the other side of it, which is really a product of our modern food environment, the stimulation of modern food and how far away it is from our natural evolutionary diet of humans so when you talk about that milk chocolate especially the milk chocolate i'm sure you don't have that same reaction to dark chocolate no there's this this stimulation this reward this pleasure you know dopamine this neurotransmitters exactly sugar so some people are more susceptible by nature in their brains to the modern process, mm-hmm. stimulating foods where they have a harder time having control over that, too. But I would say in many ways that th- those are kind of similar but also separate degrees of binge eating and and the one with the milk chocolate could be considered a binge individually if that person feels like that is to them, but probably wouldn't be considered a, you know, a diagnosis. A diagnosis. Of binge eating.
0: <laughs> no, certainly not. Now, let me ask you, a typical binge eater, do they have to be overweight? Because a typical person that's out of control, overeating, they are overweight, or yeah. they will be overweight after a while?
1: Yeah, also a good question. And absolutely not. No, mm-hmm. you can definitely see very slim binge eaters. And up until obese binge eaters, right? So it's it, weight has no factor in it because for a lot of people they go through a binge eating cycle, which is they've they've binged eaten. And then they feel guilt and shame and remorse and regret and all those emotions that come up. And so they immediately want to get some sense of control. And so in that way, they vow to kind of start fresh tomorrow. And that's where that restriction and control and dieting piece comes in, which actually perpetuates the cycle. Because then that that maintains that trigger of their survival instinct and reminds the the body that there's actually not food coming again. So the next time you get it, you should binge
0: so that would be the binge starve cycle
1: yes that is that is to a
0: certain extent maybe even natural because we were meant in uh, say ten thousand years ago when we were hunter and gatherer we didn't have food every day so the body is made to starve for a while and then to eat everything in 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 place. Mm-hmm. Just nowadays we have the option of binge eating every day.
1: That's right, and and we wouldn't have those susceptible foods, these highly stimulating yeah. foods, which are you know activated by our senses when we see them, when we see the shiny packages, when we smell right. them, when we see the commercial or the image on TV.
0: And so know, often in childhood driving. we get trained to uh, associate sweets. Sugar mm-hmm. with reward with yes. something positive. Yeah, the birthday cake—it's yeah. really poison. Yeah, <laughs> but it—it it is very high uh, addictive for our brain.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is really fascinating when you start getting into research, and I've had the pleasure mm. because I focused my work so much on this one particular topic I get to just read about it and study whatever I'm interested in in this area without feeling like I'm you know getting off track so when you do (laughs) do look into the research and and look at studies about the brain and food and modern food and sugar or salt or fat and look at how you know Big food giants are, you know, doing brain scans to find out how it's going to affect us the most and when it's going to hit our bliss point. This stuff is fascinating when it comes to people's relationships with food. Unfortunately, most people think their relationship with food is a personal a personal fault of theirs yeah right like a personal lack and they feel
0: guilty and other people judge them yeah and there's still that stigma that people that are obese or can't control their eating behavior they're just lazy and bad people it's Mm -hmm. it's just not true
1: no it's absolutely not true and and there's so much about the brain and food that really needs to be uh addressed and talked about and i think really publicly talked about and binge eating also because it's not about the person it's never about the person it's about their brain and food. That's And in right. this case, of binge eating, perhaps, if they're also trying to lose weight, which is also a cultural pressure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it really is. When you look at the uh, models, they sometimes look really anorexic, mm-hmm. whereas fifty years ago the models were a little nicely rounded or absolutely. To in, in, in times when the food industry wasn't as prevalent when you look at the Rubens pictures, they are well rounded females that produce obviously good hormones to have those little angel children <laughs> that are always flying around.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely though, right? Like yeah. our culture shifts what we desire. Mm-hmm. Our culture, you know, tells us what to desire and a lot of people see only one an image of what a body should look like and for a lot of young girls especially a lot of the starts um in high school or at least those foundations of late are laid as to what we want to look like that starts early yeah and um it stays with people for their lives
0: and often girls are trained also to be told to be pretty to look yeah. pretty yeah that's a definition. Oh, you're so handsome. So to, to a boy, you say, oh, you're handsome. To a girl, you say, oh, you look so pretty.
1: Mm. Yes, it is interesting with women, especially. And I find a lot of my clients have this underlying, um, this kind of feeling like they want to be good. They've always wanted to be good girls. And for them, subconsciously that includes having the body that's that's good Mm -hmm. that you're not going to be shamed or embarrass anyone in your family or you know on and on and the people that are kind of free to be whatever sides they want they have this bolder approach i've noticed to life without feeling like they're going to step on someone's toes i just kind of it's it's really coming to me again and again these days that this this trait of wanting to be good yeah. is also wrapped up in the way we relate to food in many wanted ways.
0: Wanted to be a good girl, mm-hmm. wanted to conform to the rules so yeah. that everybody likes you hopefully. Exactly. And it really has nothing to do because for yeah. me when I was three hundred and fifteen pounds people treated me differently, yes. Yeah. But they didn't like me more or less because of it. Yeah. And I didn't like myself, obviously. Mm-hmm. But it really doesn't too much depend on the weight, whether you like yourself or not.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, I think liking yourself or not depends on how how in tune you are and how how close you are to yourself instead Mm. of you know what many people can do when they're struggling with food is really beat themselves up and bully themselves and shame themselves into thinking that will motivate them to take some action but really Mm -hmm. it just separates themselves from themselves right and that's where that really ultimate personal struggle comes yeah
0: makes it really worse and uh, i i found myself once i learned to accept my 315 pounds I loved myself enough to say, that's it, I am losing weight. Yeah. But you have to make that decision at some point without feeling guilty and ashamed about it. And I think that that's so true. And I know a lot of my clients that are overweight, obviously, because most people are nowadays. Uh, It really makes a difference.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. I really like what you said there, because that's actually really the starting place that I I start with my clients. They Mm -hmm. have to accept where they are now they can't still be holding this feeling that they want to lose weight that they need to lose weight. Yeah. they have to just say this is where i am and i'm ready to work from this spot
0: wonderful and that is a wonderful thought to end the first half of the show and in the second half of the show after the commercial break we will talk a little bit more about how actually to do that to control your eating and to overcome eating disorders and binge eating great Hello and welcome back to Healthy Alternatives, here on 97.5 CIOEFM or on the web at communityradio.ca. I'm your host, Dr. Christine Sauer, and today I'm talking with Andrea Lusing. In the first half, we talked about the how she got into being a binge eating and overeating coach, what that really is and why so many people have eating problems. And I think we should talk a little bit more about what actually people can do, how you help your clients and uh, what's your background because we talked about the scientific studies and the research and that's so important and I love that too. So share a little bit about that and what you do.
1: Yeah, sure. So... Um, You know, I think what we talked about before that people think it's a personal fault. So Mm. that keeps people really stuck. And I think when people are ready to kind of heal that relationship with food, it's all about and bringing that kind of scientific aspect of it. It's really about education, in my opinion, because as soon as I spend a couple sessions teaching people about their brain, about how... Um, you know, the binge eating cycle works and, and why they're really drawn to food, they are allowed to shift perspectives. They're mm-hmm. allowed to not take it personally and see it for what it is, which is something that it's it's a very natural way that their brain is responding, most people, to food deprivation. So most people are ending up binge eating because, like I said before, they've been drawn to diet or or kind of control their weight to a degree that is lower than what their natural set point would be, Mm -hmm. which really triggers this instinct to, to bring it up again. So in that way.
0: So how did you learn about doing what you do?
1: Yeah. So I, um, I guess I've always been interested in food and and probably partially uh, way back because I wanted to be a chef and I love cooking and um, I became vegetarian at 16. And then partly because I struggled with food for so long. And following that, um, that was back in, um, you know, probably about 2005, I recovered from that. So following that, I I continued working. And at some point, it just kept on coming back to me that I wanted to work with people. I wanted to help people. I always wanted to be a counselor or a therapist. And I always had that role in my family and with my friends. And so eventually, I decided to... um, do a couple of things. First, I did my plant-based nutrition certificate from eCornell and I learned all about food and, you know, kind of uh, way more in depth than I had ever known about. And then I also did my life coaching certification. And so when it finally came time to work as a life coach, I was like, I'm going to help women with fulfillment. And I really just felt like I want to help women. And I did that for a little bit. And I thought, this is okay, but it's not really, I'm not really learning one thing. And I want to get really good at one thing. And it kept on coming up again, that food and my food struggles were really the thing here, but I almost was ignoring it because it was so long ago. I would have to rehash it. I would have to bring it up again. I would have to become comfortable talking with it, which is something that a lot of people, you know, it was taboo. It is taboo. Mm -hmm. And it took me a lot of practice of talking about it to become Mm -hmm. comfortable with it. So Eventually, when I became comfortable with the idea, I just moved in that direction, and um, and it's been uh, quite a while now. And I feel very comfortable, yeah. and I actually feel like it's almost part of my gift that I can just talk freely about my struggles with food because I want to help other people feel, you know, that it's not their fault and it's not anything about them. It's just something that happens to some people, yeah. and there's usually good reasons for it.
0: Now, just share a little bit about what did you struggle with personally.
1: Well, you know, my, my um, experience is interesting because I moved high schools four times. Mm-hmm. So I think it really started when I, I had moved high schools. And instead of eating with people, because I didn't know anyone at that point, I would go to the cafeteria and just eat an apple for lunch, kind of avoid eating altogether. And then after school, I would come home and really just eat, right. And and just kind of eat. And I was growing, but I also hadn't eaten all day. And it established this, a bit of a habit. Mm-hmm. And um, from what I remember from there, there became a point where some people made comments and, you know, people that were close to me. So it impacted me about gaining weight. So I wanted to lose weight, which, again, is that natural feeling like, OK, then I should lose weight. And I think that was that trigger. So w- losing weight, getting a lot of control over my weight and food actually set me off to to want to eat more because I was Mm -hmm. restricting so much. So I was, you know, restricting my food, but then compensating for that by binge eating. And Mm -hmm. then again, compensating for that by restricting. And in my experience, I actually uh, became bulimic for quite a while. And then I became, you know, then I got really into really quite strict um, eating and, you know, bordering on getting way too thin And so it was always up and down and a a different piece here and there. And, and finally, I remember, um, I was really obsessed with weighing myself and losing weight. My friend came into my room, this is a university and just said, I'm taking your scale. And that was really the gift, like such a gift for me because it just, uh, I couldn't think about it rationally anymore. I had to just go with how I felt. Mm -hmm. And at that point, it also really cued me in that I was ready to be done with this whole thing after four or five years. Um, and from there, I did reach out. I tried to see a therapist. Um, actually, I saw a couple. I saw a doctor. But no one could really help me where I needed help. It was too... They had no experience in it. They didn't really know what binge eating was and, um, and how to help me or how I, I felt like I needed help. So I took about two years and just navigated it on my own um, and just kind of fumbled my way through. And even after that, you know, it took a couple of years just to notice. Um, to discern like really truly which foods like the milk chocolate if I knew mm-hmm. like you every time I bought milk chocolate I was going to eat the whole thing I just noticed that mm-hmm. and so it helped me make um, it helped me just learn more about myself and just knows which foods I, I felt perfectly fine with and which foods I felt a little bit out of control with and, and I that just is so important
0: I always notice many people that I talk to don't have no idea what how the food makes them feel. Yeah. For myself, I know if I eat sweets after half an hour, I can go to sleep. Mm-hmm. I'm tired. Yes. So I avoid eating sugar in the morning. Yes. It yep. just doesn't fit because yeah. I I don't want to sleep all day. That's right. I want to be able to work and function. Yeah. And and that's that's a biggie to discover that. And many of your clients, I'm sure, have no idea how they react that's to food. That's right.
1: And it's funny you said because I used to say that all the time too, that I, I would always fall asleep after I ate something sweet mm-hmm. and get really sleepy. But at that point I wasn't I wasn't being gentle with myself to actually do something about it. I knew yeah. I wanted to, but I I didn't know how still. So I was still in that kind of that tension of that Mm. relationship where I, I knew what I wanted to do, but I couldn't respond. So sometimes that particular example or examples like that just takes time and it takes noticing again and again and again and maybe one day you make the choice that actually serves you. You say exactly. no to that.
0: Exactly. And, and
1: just having compassion for that journey. And for some people and, and in some experiences, it does take a long time to, to notice that and actually to be able to respond to that in a loving way and, and treat yourself well.
0: And that is so important that we really respond to it in a loving way and notice how we are feeling. And if they need the help of a coach, and I myself have a coach, you have a coach, I'm sure, or therapist or whatever mm-hmm. works for that person. Yeah. But if it doesn't, you need to try somebody else. Yeah. So if they feel they connect with you, Andrea, how can they contact you? What would be the best way to reach out when they want to contact you?
1: Yeah, so uh, I have a website and I, I have a, a three three-month program that I take people through mm-hmm. to really um, help them find peace with yeah. food. So my website's my name Andrea that's L-U-S-S-I-N-G dot com. Andrea, like Andrea, I should yeah. say, also. Wonderful. Um, and on there, there's lots of resources. There's blog posts. There's um, um, a lot about how I work with people and what you get, or 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 what the expected outcomes are mm-hmm. for a three month mm-hmm. program. And I really have designed that program to to give people some really some not only hope but really an end. An end point.
0: Mm, And that's important. And nobody can expect to see you once and suddenly everything is good. That's like Mr. Spock waving a magic wand and suddenly yeah. you're well. We are not at that point yet, hopefully, but right. not in the next hundred years or more. <laughs> we really have to work at it. Yeah. And everybody struggles. And I honor everybody else's struggle as I honor my own. And mm-hmm. we need to do that. And as you said so beautifully, it takes a decision of everybody that they want the change mm-hmm. that they want to start to work on their issues instead of just giving in and vegging out in front of the tv every day
1: that's right and i know i talked to a lot of people because as i bring this conversation up a lot of people mm-hmm. joke and tell me what they ate or tell me mm-hmm. what they've recently you know or how they could use me but i say you know what you're allowed to eat whatever you want and exactly. you're allowed to to You know, if you call that a binge, go ahead and do that. Mm -hmm. All I'm interested in is how much brain chatter is around that, how much you struggle with that. If Mm -hmm. you don't struggle, by all means, enjoy yourself. But if there's that voice that's always coming up saying, I don't want to do this. Why can't I do this? What, you know, all these questions. then that's kind of when I, I encourage people, you know, only, you know, what that brain chatter sounds like and only, you know, when it's enough is enough. And I think when people get to that point, then then it is a good idea to, yeah. reach to absolutely out. reach out for help.
0: And that is a wonderful thought to end today's show. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Andrea.
1: My pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having me. And please
0: don't hesitate to contact me with any questions, thoughts, comments, or suggestions. Or if you'd like to contact Andrea, my email here is christine at communityradio.ca, or you can contact me through my website, docchristine.com. And I'm always grateful for feedback. I also want to extend a special thank you to today's producer, Seth Glasgow. Thanks, Seth. You might not know this, but this is a volunteer-run, non-profit radio station, and we even have an art gallery. If you're local and you'd like to drop in, we are at 11 Glendale Avenue, Lower Sackville, Nova Scotia. Thank you all for listening to Healthy Alternatives. I'm your host, Dr. Christine Sauer. Tune in next Thursday at noon on 97.5 CIOE FM Community Radio with live stream on communityradio.ca for the next episode. Goodbye and have a great day.